0: Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free
1: shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com, C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com.
0: At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody What's going on and welcome into this week's Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Sallerton. Hope this week is treating you well. We have a great guest for you on this Wednesday. Senior NBA writer for ESPNZ undefeated Mark Spears joins us. Mark, you're a busy man. Sports Center appearance this morning representing your LSU where you got your Masters. Uh, I know the fans here will like that. I know they can't see this right now for most of it um, as it's an audio podcast, but I appreciate you coming on. (laughs)
1: Always a pleasure to be uh, heard in Louisiana, man.
0: Absolutely, no doubt. We're going to touch on a lot of topics today as far as players going to Orlando in this bubble. Of course, um, some things came out yesterday about the safety and the protocol with some of these players heading to Orlando. We're going to talk about a lot of the issues with player protest and, and police brutality and social justice with the players being very active right now on the NBA side and a lot of players from all different sports throughout the entire country and throughout the world. And then we'll touch on the Pelicans at the end as they head into this bubble here in in a little more than a month. But, Mark, let's talk about some of the issues um, that the players are going through right now, especially on the front of whether to go to Orlando or not. You know, of course, Kyrie Irving spoke out late last week. You have some players that are talking about maybe Orlando is not the best place to be right now during this time. And then you have others on the other end talking about how this could be a great opportunity for players to even have a bigger platform to reach out. What are you hearing about maybe not the friction between the two sides, but kind of the difference of opinion on both sides as we get closer to this Orlando bubble?
1: Well, they're going. The players are going. Everything's all set. They sent the War and Peace manuscript (laughs) to everybody (laughs) to go through and read. And um, I think the thing that they got to look at it is, in in my opinion, they got the best of both opportunities. You're still going to have players – Of note that aren't playing, Um, guys like John Wall and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, Trey Young, like notable names that won't be in Orlando whether their team didn't make it, or they're injured, and those are guys that could still, you know, be out and about publicly, uh, and and keep keep the flame. fighting against, you know, police brutality and racial injustice going outside the bubble. And as teams get eliminated, you know, and, and you know, your Pelicans are definitely going to make it into the playoffs. so they oh, won't No, no doubt. Late. But as teams get eliminated, those players, too, can be rejoined, you know, those causes. And, you know, Kyrie Irving is so passionate. I'd love to see him you know, be somebody who gives some leadership in in that standpoint. But to me, I I don't think there's any greater platform than speaking from Orlando. For the first time, you got a media that, you know, before I was one of the few that, like, wrote about this stuff all the time. about Police brutality, racial injustice, race and sports. Inequalities. But now I think with the media, whether they were uncomfortable before, didn't care before, had a blind eye to it before, they're all paying attention now, want to write about it, want to be on the radio about it, want to be on podcasts about it, want to be on television about it. So I think from a media standpoint, they got a platform that they've never had before. This isn't Mahmoud Abdul Rahouf's NBA, this is Adam Silver's NBA. And in Adam Silver's NBA, you have a league that wants to walk alongside you. This isn't the NFL where you're wondering, is it just coach speak or do they really care? You know what I mean? Are they just trying to keep a business or do they really care? I truly believe the NBA really cares. So before they get to Orlando, I think Chris Paul, Michelle Roberts, uh, the player represent representative, they really have to map out what they want. From the NBA, from the teams, from the owners, from the media, and one of the guys on the board of the Players Association tells me we want to have a loud message every day, and so you got to make sure that whatever plans you have, you know, whether it's um, charitable causes that they want people to be involved with, or Picking what those charitable causes is or, you know, doing like the Premier League and maybe having Black Lives Matter on the back of your jersey for an entire season, not just for an opening group of games. Maybe playing Lift Every Voice and Sing or having Black Lives Matter shirts on the bench or or call it, you know, George Floyd Memorial Court. Just I mean, those are little things, but the bigger things are, okay. what are you going to do? In the communities, what are you going to do back in the NBA cities? What are you going to do? Like one player says, I want to see teams give back to you know uh, underserved schools in communities where schools don't have money for teachers and the classrooms are too too big. And you know, give back that way. Give back to you know uh, companies that are, are, are black-owned businesses or businesses of people of color, women. You know before they get to Orlando, like get all that stuff now because you have their ear. They want to help. So you got the NBA in your hands, use them and squeeze them like you've never done before.
0: You mentioned it a little bit with Adam Silver and potentially a plan to come into place to address some of these things and how they can continue this conversation when they get to Orlando. Um, in actually they're going to go there less than a month. If you had, a voice in this and you had a chance to implement some things, what would be some of the things that you think would be important for the NBA to address and for teams and sponsors and players to address uh, while they're there in Orlando
1: Long or list. a couple? <laughs> um, I'd, I'd want to see the NBA match what the NFL did in terms of that quarter of a billion dollar um, charitable donation, but I want to see the players, pick and choose from each city, they split it up where that money goes, whether it's to causes in their NBA towns or their own towns. I think the players definitely need to be involved in where that goes, Um, show that they're gonna get more black uh, businesses involved, show that they wanna get more diversity in the front office in the uh, coaching staff and, and throughout the whole teams. That, that these teams care about diversity and inclusion and, and what are you going to do about it? Um, you know, the Bulls, like, got some heat from me about not interviewing anybody black for their president job and took heat to it. And in a league that's 75% black, and they ended up hiring a black general manager and assistant general manager. Looks like the Pistons are, they lost a black assistant general manager, but now, uh, which left them with five uh, white, um, front office guys as their leaders, all males, um, it looks like they're probably going to hire a a black general manager in Detroit. So I think they, not only are you going to do things from a charitable standpoint, but in terms of a hiring practice standpoint. And also I think that the players need to tell that people that they sponsor, the companies that they sponsor, like, what are you going to do for us? What are you going to do for my community? I want some of the proceeds of the shoes or the products that I'm, I'm yelling about to go back to the communities. And, and I also think it would be smart to have PSAs, public service announcements played about racial injustice, police brutality, something that the NBA does collectively to be played in the first half and the second half on radio and television and internet broadcast. So that's just a few. No, absolutely.
0: A lot of great points there. Um, And going into that as well, you know, a lot of people talk about the kneeling and what that's going to mean in certain sports, of course, across the NFL is where it really took center stage in 2016 with Colin Kaepernick. I know the NBA has a a rule in place as far as what players can do during the national anthem. Do you expect that to be altered a little bit come Orlando with players that would like to kneel during the national anthem?
1: I, I think so. Um, uh, that's probably something I need to make a call about, <laughs> get more information on. Yep. But when I mean, you're seeing it commonplace, even from cops, seeing it in the uh, English Premier League uh, on this day of their return, um, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't know that they want what comes with finding a player for not standing during the anthem. Um, I'm sure there'll be some different unique things. I mean, I remember former. Uh, New Orleans for David West, he actually used to stand one foot behind his teammates
0: Uh
1: in a little silent protest about a number of things. So yeah, I mean, that first game, I I expect there to be some interesting things that players do, um, whether individually or as a team, probably more so as a team. But again, this isn't, a league that's gonna. This isn't Mahmoud abdul Raous NBA. This is today's NBA, and I'm. I'd be more worried about whether the NFL is gonna go along with it. I have no belief at all that the NBA is, is gonna be a uh, a wall in front of front of the NBA players in terms of uh, racial injustice and police brutality.
0: You touched on it a little earlier, but I want you to kind of talk a little bit more about it with Adam Silver. And I feel like, feels like from what you're talking about, you're not as concerned with Adam Silver in addressing these things once we get to Orlando because of the forward thinking that he has had ever since he took over for David Cern compared to other uh, sports like the NFL or even MLB that's not even playing right now. But what does that say about the leadership of Adam Silver? Where even going back to just getting the NBA back um, with the safety issues with COVID and his relationship with the NBA PA. What does it say about his relationship and kind of what he's meant to this league as far as being supportive for the players that want to speak out about these things?
1: Um, I I knew he was down for the cause with Donald Sterling. That happened early in his, uh, you know, I guess you could call it his his presidency or um, his commissionership or whatever the word is. That was months in that um donald sterling situation and he banned him for life for his racist acts and took the team away from him so that that made a clear president then uh what he was about who he was for the players film him. look it's it's still a business and he has a business to run and he works for the owners he doesn't work for the players but I think he realizes it, and also as Deputy Commissioner uh, Mark Tatum, who is black, they get it, you know. Or Stewart, who NBA uh, Diversity and Inclusion Manager, like they have people that that care. Now let's not act like the NBA is totally woke. I mean, they all 30 teams, the NBA, the media, all of us have a lot to still work on. Absolutely. But I do think that the NBA is like. And from what I'm being told, the Players Association is currently working on several different things, a list of things that they're going to bring to the NBA that they want, um, that they want implemented when they get to Orlando, and that should be coming to the NBA soon. So perhaps in the next 10 days or so, there's going to be a joint, uh, you know, statement from both the NBA and the Players Association on what they plan to do a proactive statement uh, in terms of social getting, keeping the word out socially uh, once they get to Disney world.
0: There's going to be a lot of fans out there. And I don't necessarily agree with this as far as they want to watch basketball. They don't want to talk about these issues. And I think now is the time more than ever to talk about these things. But force
1: them, but force them. Like you want to watch NBA game. You're going to get this met this PSA. And you're going to get in the second half and then their kids are going to get it. Um, You know, when I was a child, I didn't have Google. I didn't have phones, you know, cell phones where I could just, hmm. you know, what Zion Williams said was interesting. And I love Zion Williams. And so, you know, I'm personally going to go read into this a little more. Um, You want to watch a game, the Players Association, I'm sure, is like, if you're going to watch a game, you're going to get a message, whether you want it or not there are a lot of races that love basketball and you're not going to, you know, warm all the cold hearts in this world. But I do think that by playing your voice is going to be much, much louder than not playing. Like people say that, that soccer is the most racist sport there is. Well, they got black lives matter on the back of their jerseys today. They got a black lives matter patch there's gonna be something that's gonna remind you of that. And um, there's nothing that, uh, like if you love the sport that much, that's the thing that's great about playing. We're gonna give you something through this entire game that's gonna make you really think about Black Lives Matter, about police uh, brutality, about racial injustice, about uh, just having a fair world. And you're not gonna change everybody, but I do think this platform certainly will get a lot more people thinking and and perhaps change lives, too. you feel like that's what the players
0: kind of feel about this situation, too? You had John Wall on your Instagram shortly before we started this podcast. You had Hawks head coach Lord Lord Pierce on before. You've been having numerous conversations with players. Look at what LeBron James is doing. We're talking about more than the vote and how voting is so important during this time. With Orlando being a huge platform, you talk about um, basically the first professional sports back as far as NHL, MLB, and NFL. I feel like a lot of eyeballs are going to be on the younger generation. And John Wall touched on this on your Instagram Live with him about, and you touched on it too, how important the younger generation is as far as really making an impact on some of these major issues. With the NBA and the direction it's going, how important is it going to be for the younger players, the younger stars in this league to take action? You saw Jalen Brown marching in Atlanta. You've seen some of these players from a lot of these teams outside. Derek Favors of the Pelicans was out in Atlanta. Um, young and old, how important is it for the younger generation during this time to get their let their voices be heard in Orlando yeah, during this? It's
1: different than everybody older than them. They have access to more information. Uh, they're probably going to more diverse schools than most of us have went to. Um, even more diverse families. You, I. I mean, I would guess is, there's somebody in your family that's of a different race than you, right? Uh-huh. Like you're married in, or you know, um, you know, my wife's Indian. Most of my family is black, and they love her like she was black too. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah um i think they feel like um you know the younger generation doesn't care if you're gay they don't care if you're green or purple or red or whatever you are they seem to care about you more as a person and um you know what kind of character you have and what you could bring to society Um, you're not going to be able to change everybody but for this younger generation i think they want a healthier world from a green you know earth standpoint from a human standpoint from everything standpoint and I'm hoping that the things that my generation and 400 years before me couldn't get fixed that hopefully their generation could finally figure it out so you know one day when I do have a child I could tell them of these stories of how it used to be how bad it used to be and how blessed you're able to be in this world today but we're a long way from that right now but hopefully that will be something that we could talk about soon absolutely
0: for the players that think the league could po- this could possibly be a distraction or deter from people paying attention to the real issues going on in the world do you feel the same way or do you feel like this could maybe
1: i guess empower it more no i think these games are going to be televised worldwide they're going to be on abc turner um ESPN, local sports stations across the country, on people's phones in India, China, you know, Europe, Africa, like there's the viewership is going to be higher than we've ever seen before. So basketball is, I guess you could say the bait, you know, but then once you catch the fish, then you're hooking them to everything else you want to talk about. And so it's um hey, I remember as a kid seeing those messages one to grow on mm-hmm. and you know, schoolhouse rock stuff and you know all yeah. that stuff, like uh, just say no. Like them damn commercials maybe not, you know, I wasn't gonna use drugs anyway, but I'm like, oh man, that's my brain on drugs. Oh so yeah. you know, like those comm- all those kind of messages, you know, are they gonna like is everybody gonna listen? Is somebody gonna go get a snack or turn the channel when that happens? sure but what about the people that it does impact what about the kids that do listen what about the kids who's like okay I want further information I'm going to go to that website they talked about it will have a greater impact for them to talk about the world with the basketball in their hand than to have try to talk about it with their sneakers unlaced
0: absolutely great response there mark um Racial injustice and police brutality are not the only things going on in this world right now. Of course, the entire yeah. world is dealing with COVID-19. Um, of course, in the United States, two cases are starting to go up in, in some places again. Um, we, looked, we saw the safety protocols that came out from the NBA and how each team is going to be, whether it's the different hotels based on seating, which I thought was very interesting um, <laughs> to
1: start off. Sound the like the Pelicans the- Hotel is the fun one, though. Like I've actually been to the water Yacht Water slides club. and all that. Like, I'm worried about the players getting hurt on the water slides.
0: That is that is something that you have to think <clears> about. Um, I've been to the Yacht Club when I was a kid. It was actually a pretty cool place. So, I don't think there's really that much of a disparity between the three hotels. But, of course, all the safety measures as far as going in, going out, when families can come in, yeah. um, when you were able to read some of this stuff, what, what were your initial thoughts on what the NBA is doing to make sure that not only your players safe, but are also, you know, still – having a chance to be entertained, whether it's playing video games, the ping pong, um, yeah. and they're not just sitting in their room for two or three months while they're playing basketball.
1: Well, I've been telling people like you worried about the players being somewhere for maybe three months. I've been in Oakland for four months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and there's no swimming pool outside of my condo. You know, yeah. there's no access to golf courses or, uh, you know, some kind of hiking trail or, go no DJ, you know, I, all right. I'll probably be more entertained there. So uh, I think once they get there, that will be cool. But I I do think it, it could be one of the safest places, not only the happiest places on earth, as Disney World says, but one of the safest places because people there will be being tested all the time. I don't even think mine, you know, I don't even know if my neighbors are being tested, you know what I mean? Or, if how healthy they are but if I know I'm in an environment where everybody's being tested that's probably a safe place in terms of the workers I think that is something that the players are worried about the people coming in and out but I don't think there's going to be much interaction Um, and I think those people be told to keep their distance like if I'm there I definitely want somebody to clean my room every day if possible Um, you know they're going to have the best of food they're going to have great chefs. They'll have people cutting hair that probably had to live there and and all those things. I think the hardest thing is going to be the not being around your loved ones. I mean, Uh like you love, like essentially think of it like this, your teammates are basically your coworkers, right? Yep. You might like, playing, working with them, but do you really want to be with them off the court or outside? like your co-workers, do you want to be with them all the, every day for three months? And you're nope. like, ah, so-and-so's <laughs> cool, but three months, like, I, I'm sure if they could change one thing, it would be like, can I bring my wife, can I bring my kids now? Can I bring my significant other now? I have actually talked to an NBA assistant who told me, man, just the thought of like not being able to see my wife that long, is is like a painful thing to me. So I mean, basically, for about a month and a half, they won't be able to have anybody in. But I think once they get to the second round and people are able to bring folks in, it makes you know this group a smaller group. They'll probably be a much happier place to be.
0: You know, some players you might expect will sit out potentially or tell them by June 24th that they don't want to play more for the, the social justice issues, that they feel like it's more important to be out there. Do you expect anyone that is healthy and can play right now because of COVID concerns to maybe say, you know what, I'm just not – whether they have a family member um, yeah. that are that's at higher risk. Do you expect I, any players to say, you know what, I'm just going to pass on this because of the safety that's going on right now? I
1: think there will be some players that – if they pass, it's more of a COVID nature, or of a just, just mental nature, man. Um, I, I do think that once the Players Association and the NBA says everything that they're trying, going to try to do to keep the message strong, that that probably won't be a reason not to go, you know. Uh, and then you got the competitor in you. Like, even when I was talking to John Wall earlier, like, he can't play. He won't be there. But – and he didn't think eight games was really fair. But the competitor in him is like, all right, well, I'm not going to just – I'm not going to give up if, if – he's like, if I could have played, I would have been there trying to go 8-0. Yeah. You know, the, the odds are, are stacked against teams like the Pelicans. But you got a chance. You know, what if Memphis doesn't do well? what if Pelicans won, win 70% of their games? And then, yeah, there it is. is. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But um, it'll be interesting to see who declines, and we'll probably know next week who declines. But I, I respect every player's decision, whatever they decide to do. That's, you know, this is, this is a different time. For COVID reasons, for social reasons, so I I wouldn't begrudge anything against anybody that didn't feel like they wanted to go. Before I let you
0: go, this is on the opposite end of the spectrum. This is a basketball-related question. I know you have a ton to do, but when you talk about these final eight games, you know the end of season regular season awards are going to pop up here, and some people have discussed whether these eight games should be counted as part of the voting process or is voting maybe should have ended. When the hiatus hit. You know, there's guys like Brandon Ingram who I'm gonna put my bias in here that should be up for most improved player or should at least get a consideration. Yeah. You have the all rookie teams with Zion. You have all defensive teams, Drew Holiday and potentially Derek Favors. You have all these players that I, I'm are gonna fighting. Tell you, for
1: I, I'm gonna stop you. Okay. The only thing I think it will impact will be rookie of the year. That's it. In what way? I think if the Pelicans make it to the playoffs, then perhaps Zion Leapfrog's job. Okay. You know, but I think Zion would have to get the Pelicans to the playoffs to do that. He can't just be like phenomenal. Josh's been phenomenal. It has to be they get to the playoffs. You know, um, I remember Melo's rookie year. Melo made the playoffs. LeBron didn't. Dwayne Wade didn't. But LeBron ended up being rookie of the year, um, which. Uh, I think it's, that'd be an interesting story to revisit on both of their rookie seasons. And I thought – I actually voted for Melo because I thought him making it to the playoffs was significant. So I do think if the Pelicans can push Memphis out and Zion gets in, which means he's probably sensational in their eight games, that'll, that'll change for both for sure.
0: So is it fair to say that these eight games should be included, whether it's an MVP conversation or whatever yeah, the, the case so. may be?
1: Yeah. you include this stuff? I would. I mean, I actually don't vote anymore. That's a story for another day. Yeah. Basically, it's because I don't like my name being put out uh, or bonuses having it be impacted on how I vote. But right. um, I do think that uh, – that that rookie of the year, that's probably the only thing in the balance, man. And if Zion could get him into the playoffs, I think voters will. I'm not saying that job wouldn't win, but it, it certainly would bring a new debate. You'll see. If it happens, you'll see. That's okay. all we talking about on ESPN.
0: What about Brandon Ingram? I'm not going to leave him out. Most improved. You think he has a shot or deserves a shot at winning oh, this Oh, my thing? goodness.
1: I mean, I knew he was nice already. Yeah. So he don't need that award that, the the like, tell me who he is. Um, to me, him, him being an all star is more meaningful than that, you know. I for him it was opportunity. I, yep. So is he the front runner? Yeah, but I, he's not done anything that surprised me, you know. So I uh, I think what's more important for him is getting into the playoffs than that award. Um, and and we'll see because. That'd be pretty interesting to see him in the first round against the Lakers if the Lakers are number one, two. Oh, boy. Get really... the popcorn ready. <laughs> yes, sir.
0: Well, how important is it for these, this young team like the Pelicans even being in the spot where they do get to play eight meaningful games? You know, the, the team that has Lonzo Ball and the rookie Zion and Jackson Hayes, um, all these guys that don't have any playoff experience, um, even if they don't make the playoffs, I feel like these eight games are really important for them just from a growth standpoint
1: i I actually consider this playoff basketball. I mean there's one reason why Kevin Durant and um, uh, John Wall aren't playing, even though I think perhaps they could physically play now it's it's you're basically like jumping into a playoff level
0: mm-hmm.
1: like each game matters. this is playoff basketball i mean it it might say regular season, but this is playoff basketball so Like, even if the Pelicans don't make it, there's a pressure that's going to come with each game that's going to be of, like, a playoff nature. So the experience they will get through these eight games, regardless of what happens, I think will be extremely valuable moving forward.
0: Mark Spears, senior NBA writer for ESPN's The Undefeated. I know you have a very busy schedule. Um, I appreciate the time. Uh, Really been enjoying all your conversations, learning a lot from these conversations you've had with Lloyd Pierce and John Wall. And make sure you follow uh, Mark Spears and every, all the work they do at the Undefeated. Really good stuff. And I appreciate the time.
1: Hey, one thing I want to say, um, I want to say rest in peace uh, to my uncle, Joe Armand. Everybody in New Orleans knows him as Squeak. He was uh, a great youth basketball coach in New Orleans um, in the 7th Ward. He actually was Avery Johnson's first coach. Um, He recently passed away in Dallas uh, three weeks ago. It wasn't because of COVID. um, um, But he's an amazing man who went to Carver and really made a sports uh, impression on the city of New Orleans and loved New Orleans with his heart. So for those people that do know him, yeah, I'm still saddened by one of the best people ever in my life passing away. And um, But... I just wanted to always keep his memory alive and and give that shout-out to him uh, in New Orleans. So rest in peace to my Uncle Squeak, and uh, always, man, thank you for having me on this show.
0: Absolutely. Thoughts and prayers are with you and your family right now, Mark. Thanks for the time, as always. All right, thank you. All right, a big thanks to Mark Spears for coming on today's podcast. We talked about a lot of things other than basketball, but I think at this time it's very important to talk about those things and how the NBA – is going to handle these types of situations once they get to Orlando. And so Mark gave us a very good perspective and some of the players' perspective on how they're feeling right now as uh, we're over a little over a month away until basketball gets back um, on July 30th from Orlando. We'll continue to have podcasts throughout the rest of the month and the month of July leading up to the Pelicans' debut. And we hope you really enjoyed today's show and hopefully you all have a great weekend and until next week I'm Daniel Sanderson thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by sea.